Jezebel. Woohoo! She's a wicked woman. She, yeah. <laughs> All right, this is the Leading Together podcast this week. Before we jump into the conversation, Marin, would you mind giving a recap of Jezebel? She was terrible. Yep. Jezebel, we just remember her as being a terrible person because she was. And there's this whole, you know, debate today, nature versus nurture, right? Because her dad's a terrible dad. Uh, you know, probably some horrible things happened to her in her youth, but she grew up with that being normal. And she became a horrible queen that caused strife in Israel for even years after she died. But there are things that we can learn from someone like her, even in the midst of, you know, the the greed and the isolation and the murder and all that. There are certain things we can learn. And I think the biggest one is that we need to be careful because what is in her heart has the potential to be in every single one of our hearts as well. And that God is doing a work no, no matter what we think, no matter how we feel at a given time. And I think the last thing I really talk about is you cannot believe and trust somebody simply because they say they're a Christian or they slap the name of God on something because Jezebel did. She slapped you know, God's name on, on different things and did great evil. So we have to have a discernment and to trust God to be God in the midst of all of our situations. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'm here with Judy and Jen again, talking about week three's message in this Not So Little Women series on Jezebel this week. She's a wicked woman. <laughs> All right. Well, that answers that. that ask, <laughs> how do we feel about Jezebel? There we go. The first thing I noticed in Aaron's sermon is he was talking about Ahab and Jezebel enabled one another to be more wicked. And I just thought, what if we flip that? And in a complimentary relationship, yeah. what if two people enable each other to be more righteous and yeah. more holy and pursuing God? Spur and each work. other on. Yeah, spur each other on. So, Well, again, that's working together. Exactly. And they were working together. Yep. <laughs> Unfortunately. For evil. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Judy, what were your thoughts on this message? I think one thing about Jezebel was she just, she seemed very powerful and, you know, Jen, like you said, what if it was switched over in the positive way? She she was ready to lead and and make a difference, of course, for evil. But, yeah, what would it be like if it was otherwise fighting for the for the right team? She was like Spider-Man <laughs> with great power comes great go. responsibility. <laughs> she was obviously charismatic. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Dang. Girl had influence. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a good reminder for each of us. Like one of the things that if surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus, you know, would yield much fruit yes. either in our lives or the lives of the people around us, as opposed to using them for our own hearts, whims, men and women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, the judgmental heart and how I so forget how judgmental I am. You know, even, even thinking about Jezebel, you know, how our, we can just run these things in our mind of how, what a terrible person she was. Yeah. But how again. could she? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's sobering to be reminded. I'm just as capable yes. of all of that. Yes. Everything in Jezebel's heart <laughs> existed in our heart mm-hmm. and still does. We're simultaneously saints and sinners, you know, the conundrum. <laughs> we can't even love God until he loves us first. That's how wicked our hearts are, that we can't even 
reach out to him until he reaches out to us first and and begins to you know change that heart of stone and it's so easy to measure ourselves like well I'm not as bad as that guy you know or I'm not as bad as Hitler (laughs) you know I'll be okay God because I got a few more checks on my good side than my bad side. yeah I'm presentable yeah (laughs) that's uh that's not how that's not how the gospel goes I loved that he emphasized that because yeah there but for the grace of god like there there i am Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) i could be doing the same thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) end up eaten by dogs after (laughs) (laughs) divisively ruling (laughs) the nation (laughs) bad way to go um i was struck by him saying too that jezebel has an idolatrous heart Mm. and i Mm. was thinking about what are the idols (laughs) In my own life. And I think Aaron talked about it in this as well, you know, about the the malls and the... Oh, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, what else? I mean, he Sex. mentioned... Mm-hmm. Yeah. He mentioned these things. And I think we forget that those are idols. But then, I don't know if you remember this, Judy, from like the Redemption book. There's the surface idols, though, and also like the deeper idols of mm-hmm. the heart. Right. So there's shopping, but there's also like, okay, what does shopping give you? Right. What does that do for you? Is it mm-hmm. comfort? Is it a distraction? Mm-hmm. You know, um, satisfaction, temporary satisfaction. Uh-huh. It's anything that turns our hearts away. I feel like that's an antiquated term, maybe like a Sunday school word for children, but maybe it's maybe it's modern day. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have the whole maybe the the cultural background mm-hmm. that did like to the audience, you know, when it was originally used in scripture. But I I think I love. I think we talked about this in our cohort, actually, right? Michael used the fire hose metaphor. Yeah, I've heard. I really it like that. I first heard that in the Redemption book, just about how we're made to worship, and we are. Mm-hmm. We're always worshiping, and it's always something. If not God, that essentially, you know, is an idol. Yeah. So that's or that's a worship disorder. Mm-hmm. Maybe asking ourselves, what are our idols? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, RGC years ago went through a book called Respectable Sins, mm. and that was, again, the same thing. You know, how the, these sins of ours, these idols of ours are so respectable. Yeah. But really, it's it's sin. Mm-hmm. Also, with social media being so rampant, I feel what people want is what they're saying is affirm me, affirm me. And they're longing for the affirmation of their savior mm-hmm. and they don't know where to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, we know who we are, yeah, daughters of God and our worth is in him because he said so. But I think that's what's happening, especially with young people on social media is that they just want to be affirmed. Right. Well, and how quickly we forget, yes. you know, we know we're daughters of God, but how quickly we forget. Mm-hmm. I liked this point you're going to emphasize too about not judging what God is doing. Based, I was just reading oh, that <laughs> based on the actions of fallen humanity. Yes, it's so true. It's it's I mean, this is a bleak story, right? Like, no, mm-hmm. no way of escaping that just bleak and grotesque like on so many levels. But having the vantage point, we do seeing how God worked redemptively through Israel yes. to reach the world and um, what he's continuing to do in restoring creation. Um, yeah, it's amazing to see all that he's done in spite of our brokenness. And, and that is an encouraging truth from this story of this woman. Yeah, I, I got excited as I was 
um, reading about Jezebel and studying, there's this story about Elijah and all the prophets have gone and hidden away and they have a showdown of between God and Baal and they go up and they make these altars. You probably remember Uh, the story from Sunday school and it's, it's a really cool story. And Jezebel sends 450 of her Baal prophets. And then there's just Elijah uh, by himself. And it's this really great story in first Kings 18. And it's um, like, and they, Elijah's mocking them, you know, I'm not saying that that's a good way to do ministry. It's kind of of funny in the story. And, um, he's like, Oh, cry louder. You know, maybe Bale's sleeping or maybe he's going to the restroom. (laughs) And and then, um, Elijah's like, okay, it's my turn, you know? And so it's God's turn. And he's like, pour water on it, pour more water, pour more water. And then all of a sudden he calls down fire from heaven and God just burns it up and shows them, you know, I am God. And it's just, it's this cool story where like God loves a disadvantage. He mm. loves it that it's 450 to one because he's clear got this. <laughs> and through the disadvantage, through our dark places, through our moments of pain, through our through those dark moments, you know, it's dark, but God's love goes deeper and he loves a disadvantage and he will make his mercy, you know, shine bright in his glory and for our good. Mm. And it's like, I was like, I love this story. I got so pumped. So, Mm. but yeah, it's like, uh, when you feel like you're a remnant and then even right after that, cool, that really cool display from God. Elijah's like, Oh God, you know, I'm the only one left. You know, no, Elijah, there's a remnant of hearts that still love me. there's like 7,000. I'm like, yes. And you know, you see this thread through the whole thing. It's in Eve. It's in, it's in the creation story. It's in Jezebel. It's through Israel and it's all through. And then, you know, if we see Jesus on the scene and then, uh, and Paul says, you know, God's going to make a new heart in you and mm. he's going to create a new heart in you. And David says, created me a clean heart. And the Israelites probably knew that creation story when he said, created me a clean heart. And then, <laughs> and then it's like, this is happening today. And we might feel discouraged in this country. We might feel discouraged mm. by the way things are going, but God's got this. He loves a disadvantage. So yeah. I, like, I just got really pumped. This is such a crazy gym. I was so excited. Anyway, sorry. So what are you two hoping to emphasize here, GCs, after this message? I'd like to see people humble themselves and let God create a clean heart in them, even if it's moment by moment, day by day. As we spend time in his word and we get to know him better, we become more familiar with our sin and we can confess it quicker. We can let the Holy Spirit work on us more, start to change us, start to change those hearts of stone, continue to do that work. So just that people will be receptive, letting God change their hearts. It's not us who does it. It's the work of God and the spirit. Maybe even being confessional with one another, creating safe spaces to confess, Mm -hmm. to be real, to admit our struggles, creating a space to lament over our sin, to be sad. And to see ourselves even as Jezebels. Not because we're women, because we're fallen. That's right. That he covers all of that and to not not wallow in that, but then to celebrate. You know, I, I don't think we should forget one or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm hoping in my GC, as we talk about this, there's just renewed appreciation 
for the cross because this is, this is the natural result of my actions, my hopes, my workings in life and with people. I think without Jesus, it's just this this constant pursuit of whatever my heart's whims are and my own satisfaction. And instead, having surrendered that to Christ and seeing just the security and grace and abundant life he offers, I mean, it's beautiful. It's like, how can you not be grateful mm-hmm. seeing that seeing what he offers in response to our wickedness mm-hmm. and he loves us in our wickedness yeah yeah and does not give up on us i read an article recently that one three little letter word changed this woman's prayers her prayer time and she started saying i love you too mm-hmm. and that too makes such a difference for her and i started doing it in my prayer life mm-hmm. and it it really does because the only reason i can say i love you is because he loves us first. Mm. The only reason I can love others is because God loved me first. Mm. So it was sort of a, a, a weird little tweak, but it kind of humbled me and it puts me in my place that you are God and for some crazy reason you love us and you sent your son to die for us. And it is hard to wrap your mind around it. Well, thank you, ladies, yeah. for this conversation. <laughs> We'll check back next week. I thought that was a lively conversation. I love Jen's passion for uh, God sending down fire from heaven. That's a cool story. Where's your God? Is he on the toilet? I think it's okay to mock false gods, right? They deserve mockery. Yes. God does mock them. Yeah. It was also mentioned doing confession in a group. How have you guys seen confession in gr- kind of group settings? I think confession is really hard because we typically want to confess very surfacey and and not get deeper because it's easier to confess. I swore at somebody when I was driving rather than confessing, yeah, my heart is evil. Mm-hmm. And these are the way that typically comes out because if we can sometimes just say, here's the action I did versus here's the heart issue. It, it keeps the heart issue buried rather than having to take a hard look so that everybody else can see your heart at the same time. Mm-hmm. Which is why I think that fruit to root exercise, going back to that again, is so important is asking the questions of what it, what am I experiencing on the surface level that maybe I'm willing to talk about and how does it dive deeper and ultimately what is it, what, where are my beliefs in God in the midst of mm-hmm. these actions? And then repentance, which has got to come after the confession, otherwise we're just talking what about. What are you turning from? Yeah. And so, so the repentance aspect is something that um, I've seen go well and, and not so well kind of in group settings where it's like it can devolve into still again, very man centered um, and not God, not, not turning to God. I think you had a really good thing in there because you took, you know, talking about sex and shopping and took it to not just that, but to the heart mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. You, you turned it in the direction that, I think it would be helpful for GC leaders to look towards when someone talks about, you know, oh, I spent too much because I was shopping and da, 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 da. And you'd be like, yeah, but what is the, the root of that? Because you did that in the podcast. That was great. I'm talking to Michelle, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> Aaron, let the record show. Aaron's complimenting. I think there's a natural tension that arises as leaders in these circles too, because you want to create confessional spaces to just highlight how we're prone to sin and why we need a redeemer. But oftentimes there's this mindset that, well, if I speak of my own sin, if I disclose these things, like I'm disqualifying myself or I'm going to be less, less trustworthy when really I think there's a beauty in showing our dependence and, and also 
it prevents hero worship like mm-hmm. from the leaders becoming you think about like celebrity culture in the church. I think if we just had more of this culture of confession, it would eliminate a lot of that. Happy uh, late anniversary you had over there. Mm. <laughs> you guys are you guys are gonna be gone now for a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. We're gonna be gone a couple couple weeks. When's your anniversary? It was actually last Monday on the ninth. Who's next after Jezebel? I don't know who's who's the first one. Oh, oh Kevin. Rebecca. Kevin's talking about Rebecca. Okay. All right. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.